This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome to episode 206 of the Skate Podcast. I am Brian DeFelice, joined by Scott McLaughlin. Scott, there's not really much to talk about today regarding the Bruins, so I think we'll just talk for five minutes and sign off. How's that sound? Sounds great. Yeah, no, no, nothing's happened in the last uh, several days. Um, so, of course, there's the, the NHL is in free agency, and there's been a lot of different personnel transactions, leaving the Bruins, joining the Bruins. I'll tell you, Scott, if this was 2010, the Bruins would be stacked. Um, bringing back Lucic and James Van Riemsdyk, um, Kevin Shattenkirk. So, you know, there's some... There's some interesting moves to, uh, to talk about. Uh, obviously, they've lost Tyler Bertuzzi to Toronto, Garnet Hathaway. Um, you know, there's the, the number one center still up in the air, and the, we have to talk about the draft later on. But just maybe rattle off the official who's gone, who's here, and, and we'll dive into it. Yeah, so in our Milan Lucic's return, uh, one year, $1 million, up to 500000 in performance bonuses. James Van Riemsdyk, one year, $1 million. Kevin Shattenkirk on defense, one year, just over $1 million. Morgan Geeky, two years, $2 million a year. Patrick Brown, another guy who's going to be lower in the lineup, two, uh, two years, 800000 And then a couple two-way contracts just for organizational depth. Uh, Jason Magna and Anthony Richard up front, as well as Luke Toporowski, who was in Providence last year. Uh, he gets his entry-level contract. And then on defense, Parker Wotherspoon, uh, one-year, two-way contract. Um, as you mentioned, you know, several guys out the door. We already, you know, covered the Taylor Hall and Nick Felino trade. Going to Chicago, you mentioned Bertuzzi signing with Toronto uh, late Sunday, which we'll get to. Dimitri Orloff to Carolina, Connor Clifton to Buffalo, Garnet Hathaway, Philly. And Tomas Nosek's still out there, but not expected back. Um, Sweeney, we talked to Don Sweeney uh, Saturday late afternoon, and he said, you know, unlikely, and basically more or less said that Patrick Brown is the Nosek replacement. Yeah, I mean, so when when the Bruins went all in at the deadline last year, I mean, obviously they had an incredible roster, and and the the hope was that they would have a Stanley cup to show for it because once the summer came around, we just kind of had an idea that this was going to happen because the, they just couldn't afford to have the roster that they had last year. Um, everything kind of fell the way that it did perfectly with Bergeron and Krejci signing cheaper deals, bonus 
uh, with bonus incentives. And then obviously on the deadline, you don't get Tyler Bertuzzi if, if Taylor Hall and Nick Felina weren't on injured reserve. So they just, they really squander their opportunity, but, but change was on the horizon. And Don Sweeney said that in the uh, end of season conferences. So this team's going to look a, literally a lot different next year. Um, what, what are your, what are your initial takeaways from what, what Sweeney's trying to, trying to do with some of these moves? I mean, I, I know you, you mentioned to Bridget and I offline, it's like he's just trying to – you have to fill out a roster, right? And so Taylor Hall goes, his $6 million goes. Like, would you rather Taylor Hall and a $6 million, or would you rather the combination of Geeky, Lucic, and Shattenkirk, and Brown, all guys that are just kind of more or less that that salary that's gone now? Yeah, I mean, but it's not even like a one-for-one, one, you know, those guys take up all that money. Like, someone has to – play those positions anyway. So even if it's, you know, okay, even if it's you sign, keep Taylor Hall or sign Bertuzzi, you still have to fill in your your bottom six. And even if that's guys coming up from Providence, those are all $800,000, $900,000 cap hits. So, you know, Lucic, Van Riemsdyk, Shattenkirk for $1 million, it's really not a whole, you're really not spending a whole lot more than you would be if you just plugged in a bunch of kids, um, you know, geeky for 2 million is a deal I like on the surface. Like I actually think that's a, a chance worth taking. And I think it's possible. There's still more offense there. Um, he did just have a career high 29 points while playing a fourth line role in Seattle. Um, you know, but that's the only one that's, that's over a million dollars. So everything else it's, you know, you're bringing in veterans for only slightly more than what the kids you'd be throwing in there would be making. So I don't even know if like, even, you know, even if you don't sign those guys and you say, all right, we're just going to throw kids in. Like, I still don't know if they have the money to keep Taylor Hall or sign Tyler Bertuzzi. Like it still feels like another move had to be made. And I think that's where, you know, the discussion goes is like, should they have tried harder to trade Alina Solmark or a Matt Grizzly or Derek Forbert and freed up some more money. Um, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that those, I, I said this on the last podcast, like I think two guys had to be pretty much strict salary dumps. And that wound up being Taylor Hall via trade and Mike Riley via buyout. After that, I don't think it's good business to start trying to just dump salaries left and right, including potentially the Vezina trophy winner. Like, any other trades to me had to make sense and actually get you something in return, whether that was a draft pick, which obviously the draft came and went with very few trades around the league, never mind from the Bruins, um, you know, or prospects or younger players or whatever. Like I was never going to just give Linus Allmark away or Matt Grizzly. So I, I think the Bruins, you know, did explore the market on them and on other guys and just didn't find a trade that that they liked so uh that sort of you know leaves you with a team that still has really strong goaltending at least obviously was really strong goaltending in the regular season still a decor that looks pretty good on paper it's basically you know more or less the same decor they had before they added orlov last year and that was still a really good decor most of the season uh and leaves you with a forward group that leaves a lot to be desired and has 
you know, I think pretty clearly a Bergeron sized hole in it. So if Bergeron does ultimately decide to return, then I think you feel a little better about this team and you can maybe talk yourself into them, you know, some things breaking the right way and them being competitive and having a chance to make noise. And if Bergeron doesn't return, you look at this roster and go, that second line should be a third line and that third line should be a fourth line. And all of a sudden it's, you know, it's pretty hard even with the defense and goaltending to see how that team would really compete. So you mentioned the decor is going to be pretty much the same before ordering, uh, adding Orla to the deadline. Would you call Shattenkirk at 34 years old, a one for one upgrade over Connor Clifton? Um, it's interesting. I've been trying to like debate this in my head. I think they're really, I think they're really similar. Um, Shattenkirk brings a little more offense and has a little bit more of that in his game. But at this point, he might not be, or I, I don't think he is as much of a shutdown guy as Clifton. So I think you'll use him a little different, but that might actually be a good thing to have paired with Forbert, you know, someone who can bring a little more offense and has done that for a while and um, contributes to that end of the ice, you know, 29 points last year. Like that's not a ton, but that's also pretty solid to get from a third pairing defender. Um, if he replicates that or even as, you know, a little under that. So I I actually could see Shattenkirk being a, a better fit overall than Clifton. Um, and, and I really like the season that Connor Clifton had last year. So that is by no, by no means a knock on Connor Clifton, but you know, Shattenkirk's a little bit bigger too. I mean, not as physical though. So you lose that, but I, I certainly don't think it's a downgrade. Like, I don't think their defense got any worse because you substituted Clifton out and brought in Shattenkirk. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, like, I like Clifton. I like the physicality he brings to the lineup. Um, you know, he had, he struggled in the playoffs last year, I thought, which was disappointing because, uh, you know, he, he, he just made mistakes. He didn't make all season long. And, um, but you would he made mistakes last year in the playoffs that Shattenkirk just wouldn't make. He's a, He's a he's a champion. He's a veteran. Uh, he's very savvy, very smart player. Obviously, a former terrier, right, Scott? So you like him. Yep. Um, so I mean, yeah, it, it's a different look. They they're different players completely. But yeah, by no means did the blue line get worse. Um, up front, you've obviously lost Taylor Hall. You've lost Tyler Bertuzzi, Nick Foligno. You Garnet Hathaway for what it's worth, and the jury's still out on on Bergeron. But let's talk about the three forwards that they brought in, which is first and foremost, Milan Lucic is back. So we'll get to him. James Van Riemsdyk. I think that like, I, again, he's, he's totally fine. Like he, in, in a bottom middle six role, like he's, he's always been a good net front guy in the power play and he's a big body and speed was never really his game. I mean, I think when he first broke into the league, it was, it was a slower league and he stood out cause he had the longer strides, but I don't think he's made a living in the NHL based off of speed. Right. So I don't find that concerning. Um, and then Patrick Brown, I mean, he's a, he's a journeyman. He's 32, I think. And he's got like 130 games to his name in the NHL. So, I mean, him, I don't know why he really can't, uh, replace Nosek with maybe some of the one, somebody in Providence. I don't really know if Patrick Brown is a, a major upgrade from somebody you just have in your system. I kind of find that like, why don't you just trust your system at, at that point? But regardless, just get your, your feedback on him and, uh, and Lucic and, and JVR. 
Yeah, so uh, on Patrick Brown, the one thing I would say is that's an easy contract to just dump if someone does beat him out for a job. Um, you throw him on waivers and either someone else claims him or you send him down to Providence and his entire contract's buried. There's no cap hits. So um, if someone does beat him out for a job, like that's they're not bound to Patrick Brown by any means. Um, that said, I, I actually do think he's someone who's kind of found his game the last couple of years obviously you know like you said spent a lot of time bouncing around a lot of time in the minors but um like analytically especially defensively he he's he's a solid player and he's he's good on faceoffs and he's physical um i think he you know threw like 140 hits or something last year so he's he's the kind of guy like brings some some things you like in the bottom six uh especially fourth line so I could see that being valuable, you know, especially if there's not a young guy who steps up and, and takes that job from him. Um, as far as the other guys, yeah, Van Riemsdyk, I think is still a pretty solid player. He did have a downturn last year in scoring, ends up with just 12 goals, 29 points. Um, he did have 24 goals the year before, though. So I'm interested to see what he can do. Ideally, he would be on your third line. Like, if if you told me James Van Riemsdyk was that third line left wing for next season, I'd be like, all right, I feel really good about that. Unfortunately, I think he's going to have to play on your second line, and that's probably not really where he should be at at this age. But, you know, the Bruins are going to have to hope they're catching lightning in a bottle, and he has a bounce back, and I don't know, maybe he's on a line with Pasternak, and, and that helps, or or, you know, Bergeron, Bergeron, if he returns or whatever, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but you're obviously going to need more from him than what he showed in Philly last year. So there's definite gamble there. You know, I think they probably feel like he can bring some of the things that they're losing in Tyler Bertuzzi, like you mentioned, in terms of going to the net front, scoring greasy goals in front. Um, Lucic. I don't know how much he has left in the tank, honestly. Like I, I get all the excitement and the fan favorite and all that. Um, and I do think he can be valuable off the ice uh, as, you know, a team leader and work with young guys and all that. Uh, I still like his physicality. Having someone who can actually fight is, you know, is, is probably a good thing. Um, if he finds his game at all and can give you 10 solid minutes a night, then, then great. If he ends up as, you know, a part-time player, then, then so be it. Um, and who else is there? Any, oh, and, and Morgan geek. I touched on a little, but I, I actually like that sign. I like taking a chance on him that, you know, 24 years old, turning 25 later this month, um, bigger body can play center or wing four checks. Well, good playmaker has a pretty good shot has been buried on two deep teams and, Carolina and Seattle. So, I don't, you know, maybe he gets a third line opportunity here and you start to see more offense from him. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a solid gamble worth taking. I just, again, I, I, what it, my biggest concern would just be that you look at this lineup and especially without Bergeron in it, it's just, it's a lot of guys that are going to be asked to, to do more than they've done before. They, or maybe then they can really be, expected to do at this point in their careers. So 
that's a you know it's a tough way to try to build a winning team, but they were so cap strapped that you know this is what Don Sweeney decided had to be the approach. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this year their their goal, and I I think if they were given some truth serum, I think I think their goal is to not not be embarrassed during their centennial season. Like I I think I think that they know that the cap is going to go up next year and that. Uh, they'll have opportunity to sign, you know, you know, really anybody that they, that they want or feel as though that they can fit into their into their um, their salary cap. I think that this year, based off of how last year ended, they stranger things have happened. Okay, but I don't think that they're going into this season with the current roster as it is, even with these additions. I think they're looking at this roster and saying, just like, let's just maybe we can maybe we can sneak into the playoffs and just let's just not be a 14th, 15th, 13th place team in the East this year in our centennial season. Now, look, they have a lot of, they do have plenty of talent up front, but you are, but you straight up, you're, you're missing a number one center and you just can't have a, a, a forward grouping, make the playoffs with a number one center, at least in my opinion. I, I mean, you look at the depth chart right now, we talked about the defense and basically pre-deadline last year, take out Clifton, add in Shattenkirk. So we know the defense is good. We know the goaltending is good. But up front, uh, daily face-off, their current lines for the Bruins based off of recent moves would be Marshan, Zaka, Pasternak, Van Riemsdyk, Coyle, DeBrusque, Greer, Geeky, Trent Frederick, Lucic, Patrick Brown, Oscar Steen. Now, obviously, there are some guys in there in Providence that might be able to get into the lineup, like a like a Georgie Merkulov or Fabian Lysel, you never know. But yeah. that, but that, and, and that, that's also leaving out Jacob Lauko, who I think will be in the opening night lineup. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not but, not that he's like a huge difference maker, but right. like, you'd rather have him than Oscar Steen, probably. So fair, fair, but but a fourth line fixture, right? So right. I guess the reason of listing this depth chart off is that, like I said, it's just. First of all, the, the 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 look of the forward group is much different than last year. I mean, like, I mean, Geeky, Van Riemsdyk, Lucic, Pat. Like, it's just it's different guys. Like, we it's it's a different it's we don't know how how they're all going to mesh. But mainly, you're missing a number one center. I mean, Zaka is absolutely, in my opinion, a number two center on a on a on a championship team. I think or could very well be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, but you're missing a number one guy. So, Scott, like, realistically, do you think that clearly the Bruins are hoping that Bergeron comes back, right? But if he doesn't come back, what are they going to do? Are they going to roll this out? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be fascinating. It, as of now, it seems like that would be the most likely course of action. But there are potentially still some options out there. You know, we've talked about whatever Calgary is going to do. And they're, it sounds like they're still exploring the trade market, still trying to get guys to extend. But, you know, Elias Lindholm and even Mikhail Backlund, who, you know, Backlund's not a number one center. But if you... If you told me that, you know, you're keeping Zach on the top line and then you have Backlund second line, Coil third, I don't love it, but like I could talk myself into that at least being a more competitive group than than what they have right now. Um, obviously, Lindholm would be the ideal target. That's an actual, you know, potential number one center. Um, Mark Shifley is still in Winnipeg as we talk Sunday night and his names come up a lot and has even been linked to the Bruins. Elliot Friedman, like a week or two ago, mentioned that he had heard the Bruins might be interested. Um, Doesn't really seem like a ton has happened there, or at least anything that's really approached like a deal getting close. Um, And Winnipeg's GM, Kevin Sheveldayoff, the way he was talking yesterday in his press conference almost sounded like they're, now leaning towards keeping Shifley and Hellebuck, which were like the, you know, outside of Pierre Luc Dubois, their next two big trade chips. So I don't know if that's, is that the truth or is that him bluffing and trying to get teams to think, uh, Hey, we're okay. Hanging on to them. Everyone, you know, we're not just going to dump them type thing. Um, who knows? I'm sure if he gets an offer, he likes, he'd still be open to moving them. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, those guys are out there. But I don't know. It, it's absolutely possible that they just roll with what they have, which is it, because the way Don Sweeney talked on Saturday, Saturday afternoon, you know, when he was at, when he was talking about Morgan geeky, he mentioned, you know, you have him as a right shot, Frederick as a left shot. They've talked about Frederick playing center. And he talked about, how, you know, those are two third line options who had pretty good production and limited minutes last year. And, he was certainly talking like someone who has strongly considered those two being on the third line and one of them being the center there. So that would imply that Charlie Coyle is playing center above that. Um, so, uh, you know, if I had to bet right now, if, if Bergeron doesn't return, yeah, I think it's more likely that they roll with what they have and then try to find their next center next year by, you know, by a trade of free agency when they're going to have more wiggle room to work with. Um, so that doesn't, you know, that doesn't make you feel great about this season, but who knows? Maybe if you're in it and things are looking up, you can try to target someone at the trade deadline and reevaluate mid season. I mean, I definitely think that this team is still competitive. Like if this is the roster that they, that they put out there opening night, which let's be honest, it, chances are it's not. I'm sure something will will change from now to then. But if it were, like we just said, the defense is still on par with last year, and the goaltending as it is is still it's the same two goaltenders, right? So up front, you know, it's not like Tyler. The, the loss of Tyler Bertuzzi is it sucks because we saw the potential there long term, and we liked his age and and his chemistry with Pasternak, but he wasn't a part of the team until a month before the playoffs. So like it, it's like they they life without him has been the norm 
right, for the Bruins. Krejci, they literally were, were without Krejci the year before, and they were fine. I mean, you know, I think that ultimately that Eric Halla wasn't the best number two center. Um, so I do think they were a center short. But as far as being competitive, they were still a top 10 team in the league then. So if Krejci's gone, if Bertuzzi's gone, fine. The two the two losses that were mainstays the last few years would be Bergeron and Taylor Hall. So I guess what I'm saying is like you can you can prance out this forward grouping. And obviously I know I know I didn't mention Nick Felino's name, but whatever. But this forward group, you can put them out there and I I think like they're competitive. I mean, just because you're a number one center, in my opinion, away from being a true like playoff threat doesn't mean that you can't be a playoff team, caliber team, right? So yeah, I just I don't know. I for me, what's interesting though is that if Bergeron's gone, right, you'd probably put Zaka between Marshan and Pasternak, which is because you'd have to. But the, but is Pasternak and Marshan are they is their chemistry the same if Bergeron's not there, right? I'm sure it would still be pretty good. The reason I bring that up is because Pasternak is now without his two running mates, like. Taylor Hall was one a guy he played a lot with on the left side, and so was Tyler Bertuzzi. So both those guys are gone. Um, so now it's really Brad Martian is the only guy that we know on the left side that Pashnak has chemistry with. And when you have a 60-goal score, you got to try to make sure he's happy out there. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, this. I think this team is competitive enough as is, but not not to threat, threaten for a championship, not, not even close. But you never know. Stranger things have happened. I mean, the Bruins just the Bruins just lost in the first round to Florida, who like had a much lesser roster, in my opinion, than the, than the Bruins did. So you just never know. Yeah, and again, like it, they could address stuff midseason the trade deadline if it's they're looking up. If like you know, all of a sudden it's like, hey, this is going better than expected, and they're they have the third or fourth best record in the East. You can always add. You know, I know it would be tough to trade like even more picks on a team that, you know, is fighting an uphill battle and not as strong as last year. But, um, you know, teams that haven't been the strongest going into the playoffs have made deep runs and, and one series. So you could do that. Um, I don't think Sweeney really wants to be trading away more draft picks, which, also kind of complicates this whole search for your next number one center. I mean, he said after the draft this year, like it's, he basically criticized himself. He said like, we don't have enough draft picks and you know, I know like I'm the reason why. And I don't even blame him. Like going all in this past year was the right move. As far as I'm concerned, you know, it's, it didn't work out, but it was the right thing to do at the time because you knew this off season was coming and you knew, all these tough decisions that he's making and all these guys he has to let go or trade away. You knew that was coming. So yeah, you do go all in last year and deal with the consequences now. Um, But you know, whether they would be willing to deal more picks on this team, if they're multiple pieces away is something I think, you know, he would have a, a long internal debate about. So there is still an opportunity to do more, but um, it's it's hard to see them landing like a number one center right now, unless if say it is Calgary, Winnipeg, like unless they have some interest in someone on the roster, whether it's a Grizzly or Allmark that like they 
or or even Swayman, who you know I think is maybe not totally off the trade block yet. Like unless they have, unless they want one of those guys as like one of the centerpieces of the deal, it's hard. You know that they haven't gotten any picks back. They haven't made any trades. They didn't make any during the draft this year to get a first second round pick back. They haven't gotten anything back for next year yet when they, as of right now, don't have a first, second, or third round pick. So what, like you're going to now deal top picks from 2025 as well, and now it's going to be three years in a row you don't have a high pick? Like it's it's hard to see how they do this. Like at some point they have to recoup draft picks, prospects, it, you know, and real prospects, not with all due respect, like, 24-year-old Ian Mitchell or 22-year-old Alec Regula who are really just dart throws and maybe career fringe guys. Well, and especially when you're about to lose and you might already be be without your number one center for the last 20 years, give or take, right, and and Patrice Bergeron. So it's impossible to sell me that when you're trying to look for your next number one center – and I know there's other ways, right? Like there's there's free agency next year. There's a hockey trade possibly like, you know, but r- regardless, like you always want, you don't always want to rely on, on the unknown of free agency or hockey trades. Like you want, you want to be able to draft and develop guys as best you can. Right. And and so if you're, if your number one center is no longer right now, or maybe next year is no longer, like you have to, you have to get back into the first round and at least try, you have to at least try to address maybe a succession plan. You have to, I mean, you can't just rely on maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a trade with the flames for Elias Lindholm or maybe, maybe we'll like, there's not number one centers don't grow on trees and teams don't just trade them away. Right. It's unless there's just really a great hockey deal one for one or somebody hits the free agency market, but most teams aren't letting their, their number one center walk. Right. So the problem is that the Bruins ownership and you can call it stubbornness, Agreed. I don't really know what, but they don't want the Bruins to be a rebuilding team. They want they want to sell out the guard and they want to sell playoff tickets. And just from an ego perspective, the they don't want the Boston Bruins to be a team that's known as a as a seller dweller or a draft lottery team. Um, even though the Canadians haven't had a problem doing that recently, and, and some other high profile teams, but the Jacobs don't want that, and so. What's the cost of that? The cost of that is the cost of having a continuously good team is to, you know, have good foundational pieces. But at the same time, when you when when a trade deadline comes around, you're you're a buyer, not a seller. Um, and 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 that that comes with collateral that you have to you have to give away. And I just think that if the Bruins were to do that this year, it's just sometimes you just have to know it's not your year, right? Like this, it wasn't their year this year. But nobody thought that was going to be the case. Everybody thought they were at least going to be a Final Four team, probably, and, and, and see what happens. But now, like I said, you never know what ha- you never know what can happen. But they do have to be responsible, I think, with their draft picks going forward. You just have to be. You have to be realistic. Look at your roster. Maybe you're a playoff team. Maybe you're not. If that's a if if it's a question or not, if you're going to be a playoff team, you shouldn't be considering like not. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and that, you know, I think if it was like if they could go to the Jacobs and say, hey one year we're bottoming bottoming out and then we're right back. Like if somehow you could guarantee that they get, you know, number one pick next year and they can get Macklin Calabrini who uh, is, you know, is a center 
and you know may not be a Connor Bedard or Connor McDavid, but is you know kind of the next tier down. Like I've heard, I, I was in part because he's going to be you, but comparisons to Jack Eichel, like okay, if you could guarantee the Jacobs that, I'm sure they'd be okay with it. But you can't because there's a lottery. So even if you complete the tank of all tanks, there's no guarantee you get the top pick. Um, you know, so, and it, which by the way, the Bruins, so that their first round pick next year is actually top 10 protected. So if they did like suck enough that their picks in the top 10, then they would get the pick, but there's so much on this roster that it's like, how are they going to do that? Like, how is a team with this goaltending and David Pasternak and still Brad Marchand and McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, as the foundation of your defense, like how's that going to be a team that gets a top 10 pick? It, it doesn't seem very likely. So I think what the Jacobs can't and won't accept is, you know, a prolonged period of half a decade out of the playoffs. Like they would never put up with what Buffalo went through for so long before now finally looking like they're on their way up. They wouldn't put up with what Colorado went through before they eventually got their core that grew into a Stanley cup champion. They wouldn't put up with what Montreal has gone through the last few years or Chicago or Detroit, or, you know, pick your team. That's been, you know, out of the playoffs and irrelevant for five, six, seven years. Like they're not, they're not going to stand for that. Don Sweeney would be fired after two of those years, just like Peter Shirelli was. So um, yeah, it's, you know, the mandate is to like remain competitive. And I think what you said about the hundredth season, like, I think that's part of it too. I do think I agree with you. Like if you got them to tell the, the absolute truth, they would tell you that, you know, they don't want to be embarrassed during this season that they've built up and they have all these special events planned and, you know, these era nights and all this stuff. Like, yeah, they don't, they don't want people losing interest by February and, you know, next thing you know, the building's three quarters full down the stretch. Like, nope, not not in the cards. Yeah, and I, and I understand from a business perspective why they would feel that way and from a pride perspective. But at the same time, like, to your point, they do have way too many pieces on this team, even without a number one center as we currently speak, to, 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 to be a, a bottom 10 team in the league. But if you go into the season without a number one center – you're just you're you're just you're gonna be a you're an average team like maybe slightly above average but slightly above average doesn't necessarily mean playoffs right i mean you just know it's it's such a such a the parody is is really really evident in this league so um i just think it's more irresponsible to just knowingly just kind of be mediocre for all the wrong reasons than to really focus on how can we get back to the top as quick as possible? And, and again, it's it the Bruins, it, they currently have too many good players on the contract to tank. So I, I do think that, and I know I mentioned that maybe draft you you, you want to draft, you want to at least try to draft your next center in, in, with a number one uh, first, run, first round pick these next few years if you can. But I do think that they might very well accept – mediocrity this season because they're going to try to go out and buy a number one center next year an nhl ready 
number one center to complement the current core, even if Marshan leaves at some point. I mean, Pashnak and McAvoy and all these guys, they're all they're all in their mid mid to late twenties over the next couple of years. Like, you know, you can buy them a number one center at some point. But it's not a guarantee. You just you're preying on outbidding other teams. You're preying on a player wanting to come to you over somewhere else. Um, it's just it's 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 a it's a risky bet, but it might be their only bet if they want to. Because yeah, they're too good to they're too good to suck that bad right now. Even without a number one center, there's just too many pieces in place. So yeah, well maybe maybe they are just trying to kick the can down the road till next year where they they open up some cap space. And and I, and I do think they're planning on Bergeron coming back this year, right? I, I think that. They're also banking on that, but we don't know that. So it's tough to speculate. Yeah. And, you know, that's also, that's part of the reason why so many of these deals are for one year and cheap because it's, you you see, give it a shot. You see what you can do this year, but at the very least, you're not locking yourself into anything that's going to be like a bad contract for next year. So you're still going to have all that flexibility, all that cap space. Like you said, like if buying a number one center is, is what they have to do, then you're in a better position to do that. Um, you're also in a better position to sign another top six winger instead of having to plug James Van Riemsdyk in there. So, yeah, like I, I get the approach because ultimately, like if they're middle of the pack, it really doesn't matter if they're, you know, the 10th best team or the 18th best team because they're not getting that first round pick. So doesn't, it doesn't do unless they are like so bad that, like I said, they're falling into the top 10. It doesn't do them any good to, you know, to take a big step back this year. Like you might as well try to remain competitive, try to keep, you know, a culture of winning and competing and all that, um, which I think is what they're trying to do. They're trying to kind of, thread this needle where I think Sweeney and everyone else knows, you know, they don't look like a cup contender right now. They're not going to be one of the favorites on paper, but you do enough that, you know, to use a word you've used a few times, stay competitive and battle and hopefully make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe you get hot. Maybe instead of your goaltending breaking down, like it did this year, maybe all Mark Swayman gets red hot and you ride them to, a series win or two like it, that's that's what they're doing and it it's a lot of what ifs and it's a lot of hoping and praying and and finger crossing but that's you know it's kind of like all they can do right now yeah and honestly it's like after last year with the perfect roster the perfect season to lose in the first round it's i don't know it just it makes you realize like anything can happen and even when everything lines up perfectly it's you know, it's still a game of inches. And I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, Marshan scores on that breakaway and they're in the second round, but he didn't and they lost. So, you know, they had, they literally had the perfect roster or so it appeared that they did. And it turns out they didn't, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I guess, so I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to shit on a, on a lesser than roster going into a season. Cause I just watched a, a, the most talented roster on paper I've ever seen a Bruins team Bruins team have get bounced in the first round after being up three to one in the series and multiple times in those closeout games. So just, you know, it, it, it's just interesting to watch though. Cause like the, the dynamic of the team, the roster personnel is totally shifting. Like 
there's gonna like there's a lot of new faces in here and just like like very it's very rare to see a Bruins team go from year to year and have the personnel drastically change as much as it is this year usually it's like you know a couple guys in a couple guys out but the but the majority even through the errors right like when it was like when they won, when they won the cup back in in 11 the couple of years prior to that the couple of years after it the majority of those guys were still there um this new wave of guys like it just it's always been you you've always known what you were going to get with the team just it was the, the question was how the new guy's going to fit in and how the you know who, who's who's the new fourth line center how he'll how, how's he going to do right but now it's like i mean literally half their forward group is going to be different than it was last year um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you feel like the Bruins did all they could do to retain Tyler Bertuzzi? He signs for one year, five and a half in Toronto. Um, the Bruins probably could have afforded that, right, Scott? But they wouldn't be able to afford a couple of other pieces in place that they want to sign eventually. Bergeron maybe or Swayman, like a couple of things like that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think if, if Don Sweeney had gotten any indication that a one year, five and a half million dollar deal was on the table and an option. I think Tyler Bertuzzi might still be a Bruin. I think for starters, I think Bertuzzi and his camp completely misread the market. And uh, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN had a report pretty much along these lines. I actually talked to Bertuzzi's agent and his agent said there were some multi-year deals on the table none of the ones from contenders were for the money they were looking for. So they ended up settling for this and it'll hit the market again next year, which it it sounds to me like the Bruins were interested in Bertuzzi on a shorter term deal. And we're basically told he's not signing a short term deal. It's going to have to be more years. And that seemed to be everyone's understanding and everyone's expectation. And then obviously it didn't happen. So I'm surprised that the shorter term option wasn't on the table for Bertuzzi to start like in terms of from his side, because everyone knew the market sucked this year. Everyone knew they just weren't going to be a lot of teams who could offer big money, free agent deals. So I'm a little surprised that, you know, potentially just signing for one year and hitting the market again next year at age 29, like what, you know, wasn't at least on the table and seemed to almost end up being last resort once they realized that the deal they wanted wasn't out there. Um, from the Bruins' perspective, you could, if you wanted, you could absolutely criticize them for not waiting it out and seeing um, and potentially circling back if Bertuzzi didn't find the deal he wanted. But that really hasn't been Sweeney's MO. Like his, usually his approach to free agency is he gets answers from his own guys before they even hit the open market. Then he identifies his targets and he moves quickly and signs them. That's how it's been way more often than not. Usually the, you know, 95% of his moves are done by the end of day one of free agency. 
Um, so I think the last thing they had gotten from Bertuzzi and, and his agent was, nope, we think there's a longer term deal out there and that's what we're looking for. And sorry, we're not interested in two or three years. Um, so the Bruins went in a different direction. They identified the guys they wanted and they signed them on day one. They, they still could have signed Bertuzzi on Sunday because I, I mean, for starters, it actually wouldn't put them over the cap, but then even if they get their restricted free agent deals done, as I've mentioned before, you can go 10% over the cap during the off season. You just have to be under it by opening night. Like, Toronto right now is $5 million over the cap. So everyone knows they now have to move salary out somewhere. Um, You know, so they could have done that, but obviously they didn't, they didn't want to, they had already made, made their other plans and moved on and gone in a different direction. So looking at the division right now, how do you feel the Bruins stack up? Because of course, Bertuzzi goes to Toronto. Um, Now Toronto loses Ryan O'Reilly to Nashville, but he was a deadline acquisition for them. So he wasn't a major part of their team prior to, but so they get Bertuzzi, they bring in Ryan Reeves. So Toronto, you know, they, they got that playoff win under their belt last year, but you know, they lose Michael Bunting, but you know, I think they got a little grittier. Um, so Toronto, I mean, Toronto is still a top three team in the division, right? Tampa's Tampa's going to Tampa, you know, they're going to fluctuate a little bit year to year, just based off of how elite they are but they're always a threat to be a top three team. Florida just beat you in the playoffs. And I don't think they're necessarily getting any worse. Right. So, you know, Buffalo, as we talked about, just missed the playoffs this past year. I mean, the Bruins had a great roster this year and Buffalo gave them some good games. Uh, They're on the rise. So I would say, you know, Ottawa's getting better Detroit. I mean, I just feel like the Bruins, because, because with the current playoff format, the easiest way to make the playoffs is through a division. I would say, Scott, you know, they, they, I don't think it's. I think the Bruins might be the fourth or fifth best team on paper in, in the division right now, and I don't think that's a stretch. Um, so they're gonna have their work cut out for them for sure. But just how do you feel? How do you, how do you feel the Bruins stack up with Toronto's additions and and just what what the rest of the teams in the in the division are doing uh, over free agency? Yeah, I'd probably put Toronto and Florida one two. Um, I do feel like Toronto's operated pretty well as a team that didn't have a lot of cap space either. Like I said, you know, now we're going to have to see what they move out because they are $5 million over. And now everyone knows they're $5 million over and knows they have to dump someone, um, whether it's now or before opening night. Uh, yeah. Tampa lost Kalorn. Um, you know, I think they, they might lose Tanner Janot, who's a restricted free agent. Um, so I don't know that they're necessarily on on their way up, but there's still enough there that you like that team. Florida is interesting. Like I, I did not like what Florida did on defense. That's actually a team in a spot where I feel like it clearly should have been quantity over quality where they sign all the, you know, Nico Mikola for two and a half million, Oliver Ekman Larson, 2.25 Mike Riley for a million, Dmitry Kalikov for a million. And I'm like, all right, so they have a bunch of guys on defense now, but I'm not sure any of those actually represent like a clear, meaningful upgrade to that defense, which was, you know, clearly I think the one area that 
they needed to address and, and kind of got exposed against Vegas. And they signed, they signed four guys, but I'm like, to me, they should have just been trying to pour all that into like a real legitimate top four defenseman or, or top pairing guy. So I didn't love that. But other than that, like that's still a really strong team. Um, I like adding Evan Rodriguez up front. I've always liked him as a player, obviously uh, another BU guy, but um, so yeah, I would definitely have them ahead. Florida and Toronto ahead of the Bruins, probably Tampa as well. Um, they didn't lose as much as the Bruins did. And yeah, after that, like the teams below them, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, I think all across the league, like you, you can see the flat cap or, you know, $1 million going up, bringing the league closer together where, you know, some of those teams at the bottom are, were just like throwing around money and it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe they can make a playoff push. Like maybe they actually did add enough. Um, so it's going to be closer. It's not going to be as much of like a clear separation of the top four versus the bottom four. But I think I would still probably have the Bruins fourth, which puts them, you know, into the wild card race. Um, it's tough. Like that, that's where I see them right now. It's like a team that's going to be right on that playoff bubble battling for a spot all year is kind of how I see the season going for them. I mean, I would say their, their defense and their goaltending is probably still top in the division. I would say um, defenseman one through six, both goaltenders, it just goes to illustrate, like, you know, yeah, their shortcomings are up, up the middle right now. And so if Bergeron comes back, I think I think maybe they're, you know, they, they should be in those top three, maybe. But it's close. Um so so we'll see, Scott. It's definitely been it's definitely been an interesting uh couple of days here. If you're Don Sweeney, just another before we head we head to the draft a little bit, but are you still trying to if it presents itself and it's a, and it works for both 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 teams, mainly the Bruins, but are you still trying to move one of the goalies? And I don't know if there's any validity to this. Was there a story out there about Swayman potentially wanting to maybe be playing closer to home? Potentially, I know he's from Alaska, but um, there might be some personal issues. If there's no val- validity to that story, then we won't even discuss it because I don't want to bring up anything that's worth. That's not merited, but yeah, I mean, I I haven't heard that from anything legitimate. And in fact, like all I have heard is that he wants to stay in Boston and be a Bruin for a long time. So, um, yes, as far as training goalie, I, I, if I were Sweeney, I wouldn't necessarily be trying to trade a goalie, but I would certainly remain open-minded about it and continue to poke around the market and see what's out there. Um, and if you find the right deal, if, you know, I don't know, if if there's a team out there that thought they were going to find a goalie in free agency or maybe they were in on Hellebuck or, you know, Corpusalo or whoever, you know, maybe they thought they were finding a goalie elsewhere. Now perhaps they pivot, they get a little desperate and they say, you know, hey, we will give you a first round pick for Allmark or whatever it might be. Um I would remain open to that if I'm Don Sweeney, but I certainly wouldn't be uh, 
like going out of my way to try to move them or feel like I have to, or, you know, settle for an underwhelming return. If, if the trade's not out there, the trade's not out there. And to me, then you, you hang on to both of them and they help you make the playoffs. You hope it's, you know, it's probably not going to be as historically great as the goaltending was last year in part because the team in front of them won't be as good either, but it should still be a tandem that wins you a lot of games in the regular season and keeps you in a lot of games and helps you uh, potentially make the playoffs and, you know, let's see where you are there. Yeah. I think he definitely was probably looking at that before the draft. And I'd be surprised if, you know, I'm sure he didn't get an offer that he was comfortable with, but I have to imagine that somebody maybe would have a first round pick this year and next would have been on the table from somebody, but, but maybe not. Uh, I guarantee he was trying to get something done with maybe, maybe all Mark around, around the, uh, the draft. I mean, I, I think he even said, I mean, he was asked about it and I, and I think he didn't say he was trying to, but I think he, the undertone was like, he's, he's been working the phones on anything really. I think he may have been specifically asked about the goaltending and he may have, I mean, do you, do you have any, uh, yeah, I mean, he said like it was an interesting market for goalies is how he, how he phrased it. And again, I, I just think trade wise, a lot of teams are finding out that like what they thought might be out there just isn't. And again, I think that Winnipeg found that out too. Like when you see their GM now saying, Hey, you know, we're excited to have Shifley and Hellebuck and they're big parts of our team moving forward. It's like, well, they were clearly on the trade block. So it's pretty obvious. You just haven't found a deal you like. And, you know, so it feels like they didn't find fair value for Hellebuck. Bruins haven't found fair value for Ulmark. If he is, if he has been on, on the trade block and, um, you know, I think combination of teams, don't have the cap space to to bring someone in. Don't want to give up the assets. Think maybe they can just piece it together like Vegas did, and that winds up in a in a market where you know no one, at least to this point, no one has been desperate enough to either blow away the Bruins or or Winnipeg. So if that's the case, then then maybe things will be quiet for a little while, Scott. But um, I mean, I I definitely, I guess if you could describe your, your feelings from just the free agent additions and subtractions overall, is it just one of those things where you just kind of have to see it to see how it plays out? Were you, are you happy with the moves they made interested? You're like just indifferent. Uh, I think maybe like general disappointment, just knowing the team is not going to be nearly as good as last year. Like, you know, selfishly covering last year's team was a ton of fun. Like whether it was here on the podcast or writing about it, there was obviously a lot of interest. Um, and like, I, you know, I worry that like this team's not going to be as fun to watch. There won't be as much interest in them. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how it plays out again. Like all the signings they made just in and of themselves, I'm, I'm fine with, like, I think, you know, I think Van Riemsdyk's still a pretty good player. I think Shattenkirk's still a pretty good player. I I like gambling on Geeky. I think Patrick Brown's solid as a fourth liner. Lucic, I don't mind bringing back at all. Like that, you know, I think he he could be good for the team as a leader and locker room presence. 
So all that stuff individually, I'm fine with, but it's just they lost a lot more than what they were able to bring in. Bring in. So, um, you know, it's a it's a little bit of a bummer. Like you, you try to kind of talk yourself into, you know, if this goes right and this goes right, they still end up being, you know, maybe a pretty good team. Um, you know, there's there's enough to be excited about. Like obviously. Hey, anytime you get to watch David Pasternak, a guy who just scored 60 goals, you're going to enjoy watching him. Charlie McAvoy is still one of the top defensemen in the league. Hampus Lindholm just finished fourth in Norris Trophy voting. Like, I like watching those guys. Good goaltending can keep you in a lot of games. So you can talk yourself into like a path towards being a playoff team, winning a lot of games, whatever. But just in terms of the the talent level, clearly like such a drop off from last year so um that's what makes me say like it's just a little disappointing and it it was expected we knew this team wasn't going to be as talented or as deep but now when you actually start like putting together the the depth chart it's like oof that first run's not back that that forward group leaves a lot to be desired yeah and obviously it was a disappointing finish to the playoffs last year but two of the forwards that actually kind of played pretty well in that series against Florida are now gone in Hall and Bertuzzi. And so, you know, uh, they're going to have to, yeah, there's definitely a talent drop off. Uh, I mean, bringing in Bertuzzi last year and Orloff and adding them to this roster and uh, yeah, it it is, but you know what, maybe there'll be different storylines. Maybe there'll be more, maybe Lucci to put somebody through the glass again. Um, (laughs) uh, Maybe there'll be some, just some more ups and downs. And sometimes that creates better storylines too. I would argue Scott last year, it kind of got monotonous all the winning. Like <laughs> how many times did we come on the podcast? It was like another six game winning streak, which was great. It was fun to watch, but as far as talking points, it was just kind of like, well, let's just get to the playoffs and let's see if it translates. That was right. always the talking point. So maybe there'll be more to talk about because there'll just be more ebbs and flows. Yeah. And I will say like another thing that could definitely generate excitement and, and personally would get me excited is, if some of the young guys do really push, like if we see a Georgie Merkulov push into make the opening night roster and, you know, maybe it's on the third line. If we see Fabian Lysel make a real push and show that, you know, Hey, he had a really good summer and he might be ready. Like that would be exciting too. So the opportunity is definitely there for those guys. Again, I don't think any of the signings they made, even though you can now fill out a 12 man forward group with guys they've signed like Patrick Brown and AJ Greer, like that they're, they're not blocking a Merkulov or Lysel. If those guys show that they're ready, same with, you know, a Mark McLaughlin or Oscar Steen or even Johnny Beecher. Like if those guys come into camp and preseason and, and outperform some of these older guys that, that are currently in those spots, I think those guys are going to get it. Like, I, you know, I don't think they would hesitate to say, sorry, Patrick Brown, you know, thanks for, for giving it your all, but we're moving on. We're going younger. Like I, I absolutely think those jobs are there for the taking and that could, could create some excitement if those guys, you know, win them or, or really make strong pushes. So speaking of going younger, I think one last thing we'll touch on before we sign off is uh, the NHL draft that took place. It was last week, last week. Um, the Bruins didn't have their first pick until pick number 92. So we're not going to sit here and, and, and discuss each player and, and, you know, there's their skill sets and their attributes and what they may or may not be just because 
we'll we'll have to watch him in, in Providence and through rookie camps. But we're not gonna we're not gonna do that right now. But in general, we can talk about what the Bruins uh, draft approach was, Scott. And clearly, they were they were addressing center ice. Yeah, they're addressing center, and they were targeting size. I mean, first three picks for the second year in a row, their first three picks were all centers: Christopher Pelosi, uh, Beckett Hendrickson, and Ryan Walsh. Um, Hendrickson might end up projecting more as a winger, but either way, um, you know, they, they're going middle of the ice and then everyone they drafted was six for one or taller. Uh, the one defenseman they drafted in the seventh round, Christian Kostadinsky, six foot five, which I think it's now like the last seven defensemen they've drafted have all been six feet or taller. So clearly they now have this mold that they're targeting and they've continued to draft at the center position. So, you know, I think reading up on these guys, like the Fords, especially all have some power forward traits. So, um, you know, as they continue to stress getting to inside ice and net front and all that stuff, like these look like guys that if they pan out, which, anyone you're drafting in the third round or later is a huge if, and it's really just a dart throw. So, you know, realistically, like you're, you're hoping you hit on one of these, you open one of these guys ends up being an NHL regular for you. And that would, we would probably look back on that and be like, yep, that was about as good as you could do in 2023 with, without having a first and second round pick. And, you know, anything more than that. Awesome. But either way, it's going to be a few years for, for all these guys. Yeah, and, and when I mentioned that it's pick 92 was their first pick, I'm not discounting picks later in the draft because if you look at the Bruins championship team, you had you had Bergeron, Krejci, Marshan, Lucic. Those guys were at the center of it, and neither one of them were a first-round pick. Um, you look at Tampa Bay's teams over the last you know handful of years, their championship teams. I mean, they had a ton of guys that were playing big minutes that were not – I mean, yeah, there was, there was Stamkos and Hedman. Those guys were high draft picks, but Braden Point – uh, Palat, Kalorn, Kucherov. I mean, uh, Sorelli. Like, there were a ton of guys on Tampa Bay that they drafted outside the first round that were integral to their championship team. So, the, the later rounds are they very much matter, and you can you can certainly find championship caliber players as it as it turns out. It's just tough to see the force of the trees right now because we just don't you know. But um, definitely, they're prioritizing center and size as you know maybe they should be. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. Was there any other closing thoughts on the draft or free agency, Scott, you wanted to go over? I don't think so. I think I'm good. All right. Well, if that's the case, then hopefully everybody has a happy and safe 4th of July weekend. I, the one last thing I'll mention is that we do have rookie camp this week, and I'll be there for most, if not all of it, but that starts Monday at, at Warrior. Monday at Warrior. Okay. So the day before the 4th. Yep. All right. So try not to bring – too many beers into the into the ring, Scott. Okay, I'm, I'm um, bringing my portable grill. There you go. You're George <laughs> Foreman up in the stands there. Um, all right. So yeah, everybody enjoy the holiday weekend, and thank you all for listening.